Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Chair Conversation Podcast. This is the open, honest, authentic space for us to have dialogue together on life through the lens of faith. It's a space to listen, to grow, to be encouraged, and maybe even challenged as we navigate life together. I'm Pastor Jessica Morris, and I'm excited to welcome you to today's conversation. Hey everyone, today we get to sit down with one of the original founding partners and chairman of West Cancer Center here in Memphis, Tennessee. He's an expert in the study and treatment of lung, breast, prostate, colon, and melanoma cancers. Dr. Kurt Tower also serves on the National Comprehensive Cancer Network Panel for Non-Small Cell Lung Cancer. Yes, those are quite the credentials and a whole lot of impact in the world of oncology. In this episode, Dr. Tower talks about something we don't hear much about, suffering and suffering well. Yes, I know that sounds heavy, but the reality is some of you may be or will be going through suffering. For some of us, we're suffering physically. Maybe even for some of us, we're suffering emotionally or spiritually. And this is really, really hard. And so the question is, how in the world might we or might you go through that well? Dr. Kurt Tower shares his perspective, story, and practical advice as we navigate seasons of suffering. All right, let's meet Dr. Kurt Tower in the green chair. Okay, Dr. Tower, uh, thank you so much for being here with us in the green chair. We get to have you. This is going to be a huge blessing, I know. Um, I want to talk a little bit today about this idea of suffering. That's not something we hear and talk a ton about, I think, within the church. And I want to hear a little bit about that from you. I mean, you are a doctor. You're dealing with cancer day in, day out. You are walking people through a lot of seasons of suffering. Um, but before we kind of dive into that, I want to hear a little bit about why oncology, West Cancer Center, I want to hear a little bit about your, your story behind that. Well, um, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I like the green chair concept. It's been <laughs> fun. The first two have been fun to watch. Yeah, um, thanks. So I um, always wanted to be a doctor, mm-hmm. um, didn't want to be anything else. Um, and um, <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a little bit older even than Eli, as he said in the first one. He gave us his birthday. I'm a little <laughs> bit older than he is, so I'm a child of the 60s. And um, it was an interesting time to grow up. And so um, we uh, had a lot of fun in the 60s. And so, um, But I always wanted to be a doctor, and that's what I eventually got to be. Um, and I was always kind of a stream of consciousness kind of guy, you mm. know, the river of life, we're all in this, we should do good, and, mm. and but there was no real emphasis on an afterlife or, or, or some greater being mm. or anything. Um, <clears throat> so, but frankly, I really didn't think about it very much, you know, it wasn't an important part of my life. Um, as I got into medical school and began to understand um, just on a scientific basis, how incredible body we have that the Lord's mm. given us. Mm. Um, it really started to weigh on me more and more that there had to be more than just this random event that put us all together. Um, <clears throat> and so, um, so that started um, as you know. Sometimes you hear it's like the Holy Spirit was nipping at my heels. Um, yes, yes. They were. It was just kind of sort of building in me, and then. Um, as I, I developed in my training and, and got into oncology itself, um, oncology patients are special patients because mm. of what they deal with. Um, mm. Cancer is a special word. Um, even heart disease is, you, you know, you can fix a heart. You know, everybody mm-hmm. thinks you can fix a heart. 
Hmm. But cancer is scary. Um, hmm. When you think about cancer, you have something that's completely independent of your control growing inside of you. Hmm. You didn't do anything to do yeah. it, yeah. and it's growing inside of you. So it's got to be a terrifying thing for the patients. And so cancer patients are all struck by that. Hmm. And um, so as I, as I became uh, more involved with cancer patients, I began to understand um, or began to feel um, how they were trying to approach the disease. What should they do? How can they get through this? And really, I, I trained in, um, I went to school in Connecticut, so that was a very liberal area. And then I did my medical school in St. Louis, and I came to Memphis. And in Memphis, it was a different situation yeah. than it had been the whole time I'd been growing up. Because the first few times I saw patients, the question was, nice to meet you, are you a Christian? Hmm. And um, never had been asked that in Connecticut. Yeah. And I can't remember being asked that in St. Louis either. And it was an interesting question because I didn't want to put them off because it was obviously important to them. Mm. I say, yeah, I believe in God. And they'll say, someone would say, well, are you a Christian? You know, they would really ask. <laughs> but the point of that was is that um, it, began, it began to dawn on me that this was really a very important thing to these patients. Mm. This was really an important part of what they are. Mm. And um, it sort of became apparent to me that um, it really permeated the illness because when you have cancer, the first thing about cancer is your mortality. Am I going to die? Mm. You know, and so um, it was very profound to me how people that were Christian or had a belief in a greater being that were comfortable with their faith approached that versus people that didn't. Mm. Because um, it was a very, uh, it was, it, it's not that they didn't suffer any less, they had less yes, pain, yes. They didn't, their cancer didn't do better, it was nothing like that, but it was a lot of people that didn't have that were had the added fear mm. of what is gonna become of me. Mm -hmm. And Christians didn't really have that fear. You know, yeah. they would always say, this is horrible, and, and we would have end of life discussions and stuff, but I know where I'm going, and that was such a piece for yes, them, yeah. um, and still is. And so that really became more and more important to me. And I had some very important people when I was very young in my first in my practice that uh, I had one young man who had um, acute leukemia that was going to pass away. And he said, I'm gonna be sure you're a Christian before I die. You know, he just, <laughs> it was his goal. And I'm gonna see you in heaven. And so, but, and it was, it was a joke, but it wasn't, mm. you know, and it mm -hmm. just, and so it, it gradually, um, it just came on me. I, a lot of people will have epiphanies with their faith, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I get it, but it, it wasn't that way with me. It just sort of grew into me, and then it was right, hmm. you know. Mm. Then it was the Lord, and yeah. that's how it was. Yeah. I like how you hone in on this idea of peace in the midst of suffering. I mean, I think that that's really key. Is like you started seeing this weird, and I think we talked about this in, in our conversation prior to today, is uh, you said that there was like a but with Christians. Like, mm -hmm. I know this is horrible. This is not what we wanted. This is not what we planned but, but yeah, and it was also great for the family too because I, I can't stand to lose my loved one. But yes, you know I'll yes. see them again. Yeah, know where they are, know where they're going, mm. and and I I use that. Hmm. I don't. I use that to help them get through it because mm. it's so important to them and it's real. So it should be important to them. But I use that to help them get through their suffering. Yeah. Um, and, but you have to be very careful with that because not everybody's a Christian, not everybody believes that, and I need to be able to take care of everybody. Mm. And so um, you have to be very careful, and I always let the patients open that up. Mm. I, don't, 
I don't start. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> um, but I do often say, you know, they'll thank me, thanks Dr. Tower, you know, and it's not me that's doing it, it's the Lord that's doing it, and I always say, well, it's not me, it's the Lord. Mm. And that often opens the door, because as soon as I say that, if they've been tentative about talking about their faith at all, that'll open the door often. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't mind sharing, I mean, we were we were speaking earlier a little bit about your father. I mean, that was a pivot for you in, in your concentration. Well, I was, um, medical students, when they come out of medical school, either want to be neurosurgeons or they want to be heart surgeons or something. And, so I was at that crossroad where I wanted to either go into internal medicine and do an internal medicine subspecialty, cardiology or something, mm -hmm. or whether I wanted to go into surgery and do neurosurgery. And my father developed lung cancer. And he was a heavy smoker, you know, camels, non-filtered, mm -hmm. you know, that's what everybody did. Mm -hmm. And, and <clears throat> um, it was horrible. Mm. I mean, he was um, a robust man that was not robust anymore. Mm. And um, the treatments back mm. then were very um, uh, brutal. Is all I can call them. We don't. We would never even consider thinking about things like that now. Mm. But he got radiation with cobalt, which is really just devastating to your body. And he got oral medicine, oral um, chemotherapy that didn't work, that made him mm. terribly sick. And mm. so I just thought, man, there's got to be something mm. different about that. And oncology is such a unique um, subspecialty, or it's a unique disease anyway, because um, it's all about pathophysiology. And mm. When you see how well the body runs, and then to see how frail, fragile it can be sometimes, and how just a couple of little things can make it not run right again, mm. it's really incredible. But the, mm -hmm. the intricacy of that and how that all works together um, is, is really what convinced me that the Lord was there because it can't just be random events to make all this happen, you yes. know? Um, yes. yeah. So, <clears throat> but anyway... Um, uh, that's what drew me. I was already very much interested in oncology, yes. and that's really just drove me it was home. Just a, sh a little bit of a shift. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I love when you when you're talking about your your father, and you watched him essentially, um, you watched him go through the suffering. Um, so then, after you had watched that, you wanted to ultimately help people who are going through a similar type suffering. So I just I think that's really unique and interesting. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. um, but cancer medicine is not all suffering. We have a lot of rewards. Yes. We have a lot yes. of wonderful things that happen yes. in cancer medicine. So yes. I don't, um, so, but when I first started, yes. Um, yes. which is 36 years ago now, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I would take my new nurses out in the waiting room and I'd say, this is what we're dealing with. 80% of these people will not be with us in two years. Mm. That's what cancer was then. Hmm. And now I'm discharging more patients than I actually see that are cured. Mm. I mean, it really is such a different disease. Over My lifespan has been blessed by being able to see what I couldn't do before and what we can do now. Yeah. It's just incredible. It, it really is. Okay, so you have another passion is in preparing for this. Uh, you have lots of passions, actually. <laughs> well, but in preparing for this, uh, I, came, I, I discovered that you have this passion specifically for um, awareness uh, and, and testing and follow-through uh, with specifically breast cancer in the African-American community. Yep. Um, so tell me, how did that passion come about? Well, um, as a physician, um, f being a doctor, most doctors are jerks, but they're usually pretty <laughs> nice people. But, um, but it, is, it, it is a um, unique situation because you're, you're mm -hmm. allowed to be with somebody else in the crisis of their life. And that's just such an honor mm. to be able to be in that. And so it comes with a lot of responsibilities. And part of that responsibility is your responsibility to your community. Yes. And we have a very diverse community. 
in Memphis. We really have um, a wonderfully diverse community in Memphis. Mm -hmm. and, but some of our community has challenges that cannot get taken care of if you don't go out of your way to take care of them. So um, when we um, were doing an um, arrangement with the Methodist Hospital for taking care of cancer patients in the, in the community, it became, there was an article that just happened to be at the same time, it's like a God thing, that came out and said Memphis had the worst morbidity, or the worst, um, morbidity for African-American women compared to white women hmm. in the country. Wow. African-American women were 2.4 times as likely to die of breast cancer wow. as white women. Wow. And we just went, you know, we, first of all, I was appalled I didn't know that. Hmm. And secondly, we needed to do something about it. Yes. So we investigated, and that's where the testing and everything came through. And so it turned out that um, it wasn't so much that they couldn't get mammograms. Mm -hmm. You know, it was harder to get mammograms, but they could get mammograms. But once they had a positive mammogram, they didn't know where to go. Hmm. You know, so the usual time for a woman that has an abnormal mammogram to get subsequent treatments about 10 to 14 days. Wow. For some African American women, it was nine months. Wow. I mean, they just couldn't get any care. Wow. So we um, don't have wallet biopsies at the West <laughs> Clinic because of that. We want to make sure we take care of everybody. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of our um, responsibility to the community. It's an mm -hmm. ethical responsibility, yes. but it's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to be mm -hmm. able to do that as well yeah. because we want to make sure that nobody goes without care, and, wow. and we've been able to do that. So yeah. that's really our passion. Wow, I love that. And I, what I really, uh, I just so respect about you and I respect about West Cancer Center is that like community, and you touched on this a second ago, community involvement is key. I mean, you're involved with um, small churches, large churches. I mean, you're involved with churches within the community. I mean, that is a kind of foundational to, to what you do. Well, it's, it's so easy because um, the faith message is a message I use as well. Yes. Um, but it's... Um, in the African-American community, the churches are very important. Um, they are in all the communities, but they're very important in the African, and that's been an entree for a Germantown doctor hmm. to go to Orange Mound and be able to speak to people. Hmm. And hmm. that's the, that's the um, rift we had to get over. That's the bridge we had to get over, and churches are a vehicle for us to be able to do that. Wow, I love that. Okay, so you've been at Hope a long time. Yep. I, I Actually, in 2013, you and our founding pastor, Craig Strickland, uh, you guys did a sermon <laughs> together, yep. uh, and then you did like a Wednesday night, a longer conversation on living and dying well. Uh -huh. And it was a fantastic conversation. Uh, but my question to you today is, is how do we suffer well? I mean, we're kind of really honing in on this idea of suffering. Um, how, do, how do we suffer well? That's, you know, that's just... It's impossible. You can't suffer well um, because that's what suffering means. Hmm. Um, but um, I think that there are several things you need to do. One of the things is that I try to tell my patients all the time is don't be a hero. Yes. Um, accept help. Hmm. And the way I try to help them understand that is if I'm suffering, the best way for my family to show me how much they love me is to let me help them or okay. have them help me. Mm -hmm. let me. Let them in to help me. Mm -hmm. First, one of the first lines I talk to somebody that's ever getting chemotherapy and everything, I say, tell all your friends you're getting chemotherapy because they're going to bring you food. It's the best thing they make and accept <laughs> all of it because you'll love it. You know, so let them do that. Yeah. That's how they express their love mm -hmm. to you. Mm. And so um, part of suffering well is realizing that you don't, nobody has cancer. It's the 
milieu of the family and the community and the church community that has the cancer. Hmm. You're the one that has the disease, hmm. but everyone has the cancer. And so you have to kind of think about that a little bit. And I, I spend time with my patients trying to help them with that, that you have to understand that it's not just you. They're hurting too, and you need to, you know, you kind of, it's kind of a weird thing, but you kind of have to help them yeah. as you're going through it. And this is a very hard thing, but it's almost, it's not a silver lining, it's not a silver lining at all, but it's almost a unique situation that patients that have a difficult diagnosis, a diagnosis that's gonna take them away from us, they have an opportunity that the rest of us don't. Mm -hmm. They have an opportunity to end their life well. Mm -hmm. They have an opportunity to yes. talk to who they need to, mm -hmm. to mend any fences they need to, mm -hmm. to um, give away the wedding dishes to who they want to give them away <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah. You know, they can do those things. Yeah, and yeah. most of us don't know that. And yeah. most of us don't have that opportunity. And I try to make that a positive thing. I usually call that my two box of Kleenex talk because it's just so hard for the families <laughs> mm -hmm. to have that discussion. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it, it really is important. And the other important part of that, and Craig and I emphasize this a lot in our talks, is you need to tell your loved ones what you want to have done. The practical thing is, do you want to be put on a respirator? Do you yes. want to be in a yeah. ventilator yes. at the end of your life? Things yeah. like that. But it's more than just that. Uh, where do you want to be? Do you want to be at home? Do you want to be, you, you know, I, I don't ever want people to pass away in the hospital. I think the way to pass away is in a warm, dry bed. And a warm, dry bed means that somebody's changed your sheets and loves you and you've got a blanket over you. So yeah. that's a great place. And yeah. that's usually home, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. And so that's how, that's how you should do that. And to be able to talk about that is horrible. Nobody mm. wants to talk yeah, about it. It's yeah. just, it's not what we think about. We don't, we don't think about our dying, we think about our living. Yeah. And um, we, so we have to talk about that too. But at the same time, I, I try to emphasize that they need to keep living. Don't start dying yet. Hmm. You know, keep living um, because you are, you're yeah. still here. Yeah. And um, I always say to them, as long as you're sitting there, it's not hopeless. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, something else you touched on too was, uh, you know, don't suffer in silence. Right. I mean, that's another piece too of it, right? Yeah, and it's, I, I can't know how you're suffering if you don't tell me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, people are afraid that they'll be seen as whining or anything like that. They, no, you're, you have a reason. You know, yeah. you're hurting, we need to know. Yeah. And suffering is more than physical pain too. We need to know what else is going on. You mm -hmm. know, what else is bothering you, Yes. you know? to try to be as transparent as we can. But these are incredibly intimate moments with yes. patients, you yes. know, and it's, it's right to the core of who they are. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the fascination of oncology. That's why I love it. People mm -hmm. ask me, how can I do it? And I don't think, I, how can I not do it? When yeah. am I gonna retire? Never, <laughs> you know, because uh, I just love it. But yeah. uh, because it's just such a, a, an honor and a privilege. So, but we have a saying at the clinic, you're either at the clinic for two weeks or 20 years. Because <laughs> you either like it or you don't. You yeah. either can find a, fi a home there or you're not. Because we're, it's almost evangelical how we try to take care of cancer patients. Yeah. You know, we don't, it's, I don't want people to think that they have to be Christian to come to the West Clinic. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable about religion at the West Clinic. We don't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, we can be very religious if you'd like for us to be. Mm -hmm. But it, you, but you don't, we they don't have to be. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that, though, is they have the same passion 
about taking care of the patients that evangelicals do about their faith. And mm -hmm. it's because they're running in parallel paths. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what's so interesting too is that when we're, when we're having a conversation, you know, some people may be going through physical suffering, some people may be going through emotional, um, some people may be going through spiritual suffering in a sense. And I feel like when we're having this conversation about like what can we do and how do we, how do we suffer well, even though like you said, I, I like that you just were so transparent and so honest. It's like, we don't because it's terrible. Like suffering is just terrible. But I love that there is, um, there's almost like this overlap with the things that you're saying of don't suffer in silence, right? It's this community piece, like we need one another. Um, like it can go towards the physical piece, right? Don't suffer in silence, right? I mean, th these, all these pieces are just so, um, they just overlap so much for me and just seeing, and seeing how, they, how they do that. Well, they do. Um, and you have to, um, the saddest situation is when somebody comes to me alone. Mm because it really is such a communal thing. Yeah. And uh, the other very difficult discussion is with the, especially the spouse at the, end of, at the end of this journey, because I'll just say, look, you're gonna have to get help. Nobody can take care of anybody 24 seven and they all yeah. think they can yeah. and they can't. Yeah. And so it's a very hard decision, you know, and, and um, you just have to be patient and just say, you know, we need to get you help. Yeah. And they yeah. need to be willing to get that help because if they don't take care of themselves, they can't take care of anybody else. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just is, it, but it's just such a unique situation. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it is, um, it's not always easy. Yes. Um, I, um, I have an incredible family support system that um, I have a wife that makes me get away hmm. often enough that I don't go crazy. Hmm. And um, I cry at movies. <laughs> that's when I cry. That's that's like my husband. He yeah. cries at like every single home builder. I cry at he cries at like the uh, like the home builder movies, yeah. right? Where they build a home for somebody and they give them this home, and then he just loses it. Every time I see the commercial for the veterans and get the home, I cry. You know? Yes, that's how I cry. That's yeah. my release. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, okay, so I would love any last um, words of wisdom, words of advice, and I'd love for you to kind of lean into your faith on this question too. Of like, how how do we suffer well? Um, how, what advice, what encouragement could you give any of us that are going through, whether it's physical suffering, emotional suffering, spiritual suffering, what, what, would, you, what would you leave us with? Well, I think that the most important thing is there's no right or wrong answers. It's not right to do something, it's not wrong to do something. <clears throat> and everybody does it their own way. Some people want to be very transparent and want their families very much involved, and some people don't want to talk about it at all, and that's okay. Mm. That's okay. All I try to do is make sure they've made that decision mm -hmm. and it's not a default, that mm -hmm. they feel like they have to do something. Mm -hmm. I want them to know they, they can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a lot of decisions at, when, we're, at, when we're having trouble controlling the disease about whether you should take another treatment, whether you shouldn't take another treatment or not. And it's always that issue of, um, it's okay, you don't, you don't have to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not you're, not, you're not showing weakness if you don't take this treatment. Yeah. You know, sometimes, yeah. People say enough's enough, and that's okay. Hmm. You know, I think, I think that's one of the biggest messages, is that, that you don't have to be a hero. You, it's okay. Hmm. You're hurting. It's okay. I like that. You know. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's one of the messages. And the other message is um, take advantage of what people have for you. Hmm. You know, you're not protecting them. Hmm. You're really shutting them out. And for those of us, all of us that have lost someone, mm. there's always a regret about yes. what they weren't able to do, what they weren't able to say. Don't leave with regrets. Hmm. 
That's really, really good. And I even like, too, that um, uh, when you and I were talking, as you were talking a little bit about how things will get better, right? Like, I mean, just having this perspective of, like, it might not be like we want. And I right. love that, right? Because, I mean, there's this idea well, that... We talk about that, you know... I always, I mean, I always, I don't know what the answer is. The Lord doesn't tell me the answer. Yeah. Um, but it's his answer, and it's yes. going to be the right answer. But it, we may not like that answer. Yes. Um, but we know it's his answer. Yeah. And um, we know that it will ultimately be, be okay. But there's, you know, there's always that hole. You know, mm. when somebody leaves, there's always that hole for the, in the people left behind. Mm. Um, and that hole gets better with time, maybe. Maybe it doesn't. But... Um, you can't hide that, and to, and to try to make try to gloss that over is not fair, you know. Because we need to grieve. Hmm. We need to we need to understand that we've had a loss. Yes. Because if you haven't, if you don't grieve, you can't go on with the rest of your life. Because you still have friends, you still have church friends, you still have grandchildren, you still have life to live. Yes. And so you have to go on. Yes. Um, and they want you to go on. Hmm. Yeah, that's really really good. Thank you so much for having Welcome. this very transparent, honest conversation with us. I mean, it's not easy to talk about suffering. It's not easy to talk about living and dying well. And I feel like you just did such an amazing job with that. Well, you make it easy. You do a good job. <laughs> okay, and thank, thank you. you. That is a wrap for our Green Chair conversation with Dr. Kurt Tower. Don't forget, the conversation doesn't have to stop here. If you want to connect further, email us at greenchair at hopechurchmemphis.com. This way, we can keep you up to date with insider information, reflection questions if you want, and we'll be offering some additional resources on how you can take this conversation beyond the chair. Love you guys. See you next week.